0: Hi, my name is Spencer, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Aren't you guys glad you came? Yes, already a great day. And, you know, parent-child dedication is hopefully for all of us a glimpse into the fact that we really are a family here at Public Church. And so we hope that as you see... Annie being dedicated, it lets you in on the fact that we have a family atmosphere. So before we get into the talk today, on behalf of our leadership, I just want to invite you to Unified. This is an event coming up where you could formally become a part of our church family, and you could firsthand experience the family atmosphere and the support that you heard Cody and Hannah talk about. So if you could come on these dates, this will make you a member, and it will be just you formally committing and saying, hey, I am in, I'm committed, and I want to be part of this family. And today, as a family, we're going to begin a new series. And to begin this new series, you need to find a friend that you can talk to, someone who looks non-threatening. Guys, this is not an appropriate time to hit on a cute girl, okay? Save that for later after the gathering. But find a friend that you can talk to, and we're going to answer some questions together. So find your friend real quick. Have I found somebody you can talk to? All right, there are going to be several questions on the screen, about 45 seconds or so to answer each one. So here's our first question with your friend. Talk about this. What is your greatest experience ever? Go. (laughs) Looks like you guys had some fun with that one, 15 minutes with anyone on earth. So here's our next question we're going to look at. If you could go anywhere on earth, where would you go? Where would you travel to? Talk about this. (laughs) All right, last question for us is this. All limits are gone. If you could do anything, experience anything, what would you do? Talk about it. It's pretty fun, isn't it? It's pretty fun to just remove some limits and basically talk about what is our best ever list. If we could meet anyone, if we could go anywhere, what's our greatest experience we ever had? It feels just relieving to take a few minutes and do that. I know as I was preparing and I was thinking about these experiences and dreams, kind of relaxed a little bit and smiled, laughed, and you guys did the same thing, I was watching. You know, we just get happy when we think about these things. And one of the reasons is because when we begin to talk about our best evers, we access a deeper part of us that we don't access every day. See, for some of you, it took a couple questions to kind of get in the flow, because you're like, oh, I'm not thinking about my dreams. I'm not thinking about my best ever because we're just kind of going through life. But it feels really good to take a few moments and open ourselves up to that best ever place because when we get there, we find that that's who we really are. When we're talking about our best evers, we're talking about our dreams, what we'd love to have happen. We're accessing the deepest part of us that really represents who we truly are. A place where there's really no pretending, but we can just honestly admit what we would love to happen. And so when we get to that deeper place where we're just honest with ourselves, here are two questions that from that place we need to ask to open our series. Question number one, who is God? And question number two is this, where does God rank on your best ever list? So first off, who is God? And then where does God rank on your best ever list? And look, we're not looking for the simple answer like, I showed up at 1130 for the 1130 gathering. God is so good. I'm just holy today. And I love Jesus. He is at the top of my best ever list. Forget all the answers I said that didn't have anything to do with God. But God is just at the top. Like, no, 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 we're not looking for the fake answer. We want to be genuine, real and vulnerable. Just be authentic and say, hey, here's where God truly falls on my list. And if maybe your words say that God's on your best ever list, but your actions say he's not, then just admit that. Or if God's not even on your best ever list, you're like your second best ever list, like if he's not even on the piece of paper that has your best ever list, then just honestly admit that. And when we're honest and we admit that, we also want to ask the question, well, okay, well, who is God? And I think this is a question that we need to ask whether or not we're a Jesus follower. Because how we answer the question, who is God, largely determines whether or not we follow Jesus. Think about that. How we answer the question, who is God, largely determines whether or not we are going to follow Jesus. So to begin our series, we want to stay in that deep part of us where we're just being authentic. And we want to take a look at these two questions. And what we actually want to do is we want to let God answer the question, of who he is. What a novel idea. Let's see what God says about himself, right? Because we have all these assumptions, and we may have things that people have told us, but we want to actually hear from God in his word and say, all right, God, who do you say that you are? So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible app, you can click over there. And we just want to open ourselves up To God's answer. So as you're turning or clicking there, I just want to pray for us that we would be able to do just that and truly receive what God is saying. Father, you have an answer to this question in your word, and I praise you for that. So I ask that through Isaiah 40, you would speak to us with clarity and that we would just see so clearly who you say you are. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Isaiah 40. We're starting in verse 9. We're actually starting at the end of verse 9 with the last three words. So here's where we're going to start. Isaiah 49, the very end, it says, Behold your God. Could we say that together? Behold your God. In other words, hey, here's who God is. Here's how God answers the question about who he is. Behold your God, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Here's the image that this scripture gives us. It's the image of a warrior that's returning home from battle with his trophies. A victorious warrior who's walking home from battle carrying all his trophies. So we say, who is God? Well, God says that he is a warrior. God answers that question by saying that he is a warrior, that he is mighty, that he is strong, that he is victorious, and that he has all the medallions around his neck as he walks back from battle. So our God is a warrior. And then we go on in the very next verse, in verse 11, and it says this, God, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So we have the image of a mighty warrior, and then we have an image that honestly contrasts a lot. See, God is a warrior, and God is a loving shepherd. Now, anybody in the house today, Shepherd? Raise your hand if you're a Shepherd. That'd be pretty cool, I didn't think so. But does anybody have a pet? Raise your hand if you're a pet owner in the room. All right, on the count of three, we're all gonna say our pet's name. If you have more than one, just say your favorite one, all right, they're not here, they won't know. Everybody ready? One, two, three. Stella, all right. (laughs) Yes, so if you're a pet owner, then you understand this idea of a loving Shepherd. Here's our dog, my wife and I have a dog, her name's Stella. She's precious. She fought balloons and won. She's 1-0 against balloons. That's good. Now, if you're a pet owner, you're going to understand the next two pictures. The picture on your right actually shows Stella has been here before. She couldn't make it today. Sorry, guys. Um, But she, like, tries to serve on teams and stuff. She loves public church. Um, But... The picture on your left is me laying on a floor. Now, like most of you guys, we actually own couches, okay? Um, So I don't have to lay on the floor. Why am I laying on the floor? Because Stella wanted to lay on the floor. Any pet owners make sacrifices to love your pets? Like, I could be laying on a comfortable couch, but I'm laying on the floor so I could be with Stella. Anybody like that in the room? Anybody done that before? Some of you are like, that's why I don't own a pet, because I wanna lay on the couch. I'm just saying. Here's the thing this is a picture of God. See, God is a loving shepherd who's willing to make himself uncomfortable to meet us where we are. God is a loving shepherd who's willing to make himself uncomfortable to gently pick us up and carry us, as this text says. That God is full of kindness and he will take care of us, especially when we are weak and needy. So the text starts out and says, behold, you're God. It says God is a warrior and God is a loving shepherd. And that may seem strange, but if we take just a moment and let it sink in, I think it moves from strange to actually very comforting. See, if you showed up at this gathering this morning and you need a warrior to fight on your behalf, then God is walking back from the battle with his trophies and he's saying, I've got your back. But if you showed up to this gathering and you feel like life is just shattered and the pieces of your life are sitting on the floor, and you need a God who's willing to just pick you up in the midst of your mess and just hold you and love on you, then behold, our God is a loving shepherd. Pretty awesome answers to the question that God has for himself, isn't it? And then it continues if we look at verse 12. And now some questions are going to be asked. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? So how much water is in the oceans? Does anybody know? Well, when you don't know something, what do you do? You ask Siri. Let's ask Siri. Siri, how much water is in earth's oceans? The answer is about 1.33 billion cubic kilometers. Pretty cool. Siri knows a lot. (laughs) 1.33 billion cubic kilometers. Make sure I read that right. So who poured all that out? Who measured it? Our God did. And he didn't even use a bucket. He just used his hand. This is how great our God is. And then it goes on to say that God marked off the heavens so any science buffs know the size of the universe? Siri? Siri, how big is the universe? The answer is about 93 billion light years. 93 billion light years. Who measured that? Who set it, that in place? Who said, let's go 93 million and not 94? Not 92, not 94, but 93 million. It says God. Did that. He measured and marked off the heavens. And then it says that he weighed the mountains. Anybody do that yesterday for your Saturday activity? Just like picked up a mountain and put it on your bathroom scale. If you did, your bathroom scale's broken, by the way. But check out this picture of the mountains. Who's going to put that on their bathroom scale? And yet, this text says that God can weigh it on his scales. Behold our God. It goes on to ask some more questions in verse 13. It says, who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made God understand? Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? See, all of us in the room, Have someone that's taught us justice, someone that's taught us knowledge, someone that we go to when we don't have the answer. Because even the most prideful person in the room, we may not admit this to anyone else, but when we're alone, we recognize there's at least one other human being on earth that's smarter than us. We know that, don't we? So there's somebody that we go to for advice. Monarchs, kings and queens, they have advisors. Presidents, they have cabinets. But who's God's personal counselor? who does God go to for advice? Who does he ask for wisdom since he is actually the source of all wisdom himself? See, what we see in this text is that God is immeasurable. This is a God who poured 1.33 billion cubic kilometers into the ocean water. This is the God who measured the universe at 93 billion light years. This is a God who can take mountains and measure them on his bathroom scale. And this is a God who needs no counsel because he is the source of all counsel. Our God is immeasurable. And then it goes on in verse 15 and it says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Just pause there for a moment. Here's a picture of a drop from a bucket. It's pretty cool, isn't it? But you've got to have a great photographer and a great camera to to even notice just this little bitty drop. And here's what the text says, that America, the greatest nation on earth, we're nothing but a drop in the bucket if you try to compare us to God. It goes on in the text to say this, and they're accounted as the dust on the scales This is, Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Here's a picture of the coastlands. Isn't that beautiful? Anybody want to go there today? Maybe that's like on your list of where you want to go. That's awesome. Think about your favorite beach that you'd like to be at right now. It says that God takes the coastlands, and they're simply fine dust to him, because our God is immeasurable. And that leads us to the question in verse 18, verse 18 asks a great question. It says, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him? See, our human brain often works on comparisons. If we're trying to understand something, we say, well, this is greater than this, or this is less than this, and we compare things. The problem is comparisons break down when it comes to God, because who are we going to compare them to? he weighs the mountains on his bathroom scale. Like we can't even begin to compare God to anything. The nations are but a drop in the bucket. The coastlands are like fine dust. We can't even begin to comprehend who God is because there's nothing that we can adequately compare our God to. And so in verse 21, there's more questions. It says, do you not know Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It's as if God is saying, hey, have you ever looked outside? Do you not know how great I am? Have you not noticed nature and that I'm the creator of it all? Do you not understand who I am? And then it says again who God is, verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And it's inhabitants. That's us, right? We're the inhabitants of the earth. We are like what? We are like grasshoppers. Check out this picture. So that's you. You came at 1130 to get compared to a grasshopper. (laughs) Really, just this itty-bitty grasshopper is like what we are compared to God. The comparisons just break down. And then it goes on in that same verse to say that God stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Anybody like to camp in the room? Raise your hand if you like to camp. Would anyone like to camp here? Where this? Anybody want to go camp there? No, yeah, I'll sign up right now. I'm about to leave this place and go find that place, wherever that is. You know, we camp and we've got a nice little tent. God's tent's the sky. We've got this nice little tent and we're cozy. It says that God's so big that he stretches out the sky. And that's his tent. Our God is immeasurable. And that leads us to 25, it repeats the question. Verse 25, it says, to to whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. And at this point, it's getting kind of redundant, isn't it? Like, we get it. There's so many analogies. But it's like God can't help himself. He's like, I just want to tell you one more thing because you've got to have your viewpoint changed. You've got to see me for who I really am. And so God says in verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see. In other words, walk outside at night and look up. Who created these? He who brings out their host, that means star by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. See, Eric mentioned the awesome Athens bonfire that went on Thursday night. And one of my favorite moments of being there was afterwards just to take a chance and be out in the country and just look up and see the stars because so many times I'm so busy I don't even take time to do that. But just to look up and see the stars and to know that this verse says that when we look at a sky like this, check out this picture. When we look up and see that, that God knows every star by name, that he has them Numbered, He knows its dimensions. He knows how many billion light years it is from earth. He knows the birth date of every star, and he knows when the scientific process will end and that star will die. This is our immeasurable God. He's a warrior. He's a loving shepherd, and he's incomprehensible. He's indescribable. Our comparisons just fail when we try to wrap our minds around who he is. And then it goes on in verse 28, and he says have you not known? It's like, come on. Haven't you caught a glimpse of who God is? Have you not heard? And then the rest of verse 28, it says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That phrase in yellow, everlasting God, it literally means this. God is the God of the long view. The everlasting God means that our God is the limitless God of the long view. Now, just a little thought, if any of you ever do any public speaking, when you speak publicly, you really want like your big ideas to be consistent and matched to help people remember them. So we've done a really good job of that up to this point. We've said, you know, God is a warrior. God is a loving shepherd. God is immeasurable. You see the pattern there. And then we just totally shatter the pattern here. And so we break all the rules. But here's why. I'm hoping that the distinct format of this big idea causes this idea to not just lodge in our minds, but to lodge in our hearts, because we need to see that God is the everlasting God. He is the limitless God of the long view. Our strategies typically point to the moments. His strategies point to the ages. See, it's hard for us to see beyond today, isn't it? especially when life's beating us down, especially when life's hard. And it seems like all we can see is this and we can't see anymore. And when all we can see is what's right in front of us, God is the limitless God of the long view whose strategies are designed for the ages. So what does this look like in my life? Well, my wife is actually 31 weeks pregnant on Thursday. So here's a picture of that. Whitney and I, she's actually baby mooning it up. She's at the beach with her mom and sister. They're on their way back, but she did a little baby moon vacation. One last thing before Liam got here. I think she's just adorable being pregnant. But here's the thing. So we're going to have a baby, okay? The doctors say that he's coming on December 21st. They don't know. Nobody knows. You heard Hannah's story. Nobody knows when the baby's coming. Here's all we know. We know his name's going to be Liam David Stevenson. That's pretty much it. Otherwise, we're clueless. This is the point that you can like amen, clap, be like, yeah, dude, you don't know what you're getting into. Like, you have no idea what's about to wreck your world. We don't. We have no idea. We can't see what's going to happen. We have no idea how many sleepless nights we're going to have. We, we can't even know the day that Liam's going to be born. But the God of the long view not only knows Liam's birth date, he knows Liam's vision for being on earth. See, we've been praying for Liam, praying that he would love Jesus at a young age, praying that he would fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with his church, and that he would find his place in the Jesus movement and do immeasurable things for God. But we don't know what that looks like, and yet God knows the exact moment that Liam will surrender his life to Jesus. He already knows that. He knows what middle school Liam's gonna attend. Check this out. He knows who's gonna teach Liam in eighth grade English. God knows it all. He knows the day he's gonna get his driver's license. He knows where he's gonna go to school, what day he will start school. He knows if and when he will get married and if he's gonna get married, he knows his wedding date. He knows if he'll have children. And he knows that if he's gonna have children, he knows the name of every single child that our unborn baby is gonna have. He knows how many people that Liam will point to Jesus. And he even knows the day that Liam will pass from this earth into eternity. That's the limitless God of the long view. And he has incredible plans for you and for me. He knows all of those details about our future. This is who our God is. And so we've talked about who he is. In verse 29, there's a slight transition because it says, now here's what God does for us. In verse 29, it says that this limitless God of the long view, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. This is absolutely incredible because it points out the fact that we are limited. We're going to get tired, but yet he pours out his limitless power on us. This is what God does for us. So who is God? How does he answer this question? God says, I am a warrior. I am a loving shepherd who will pick you up when you feel like every piece of your life is broken. I am immeasurable and I will pour out my power into your life. And I'm the limitless God of the long view who has incredible plans for you. This is who our God is. And if there was one word that summarized all that, it's also the title for our series. And it's that God is unrivaled. In the entire universe, God is unrivaled. So as we make our best ever list, God has something to say about where he belongs on that list. And God says that he not only belongs to the top of your best ever list and my best ever list, but the top of the best, best, best ever list that anybody could ever have, because he is unrivaled in the entire universe. This is who our God is. So think back to your list. Think about what would happen if you met that person. Think about what would happen if you got those tickets to that Justin Timberlake concert, or maybe that's just on my list, but whatever. (laughs) But think about if you met Jennifer Lawrence or whatever celebrity or LeBron James, whoever it is that you met, you'd be so giddy. You'd be so excited. You would just be like, and why don't we respond that way to God? Because the comparisons break down and God is unrivaled in the universe. And that means that he is so far even above our best ever list. And so the only thing that we can do is to worship. Here's what worship is. Worship is a response to God because of who he is and what he has done. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at worshiping and responding to God when he's doing the good things in my life, right? But right now we've got a chance to respond and worship God just for who he is, No matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what he seems to be doing, we can worship him just for who he is because we've got a glimpse of the God who is unrivaled in all the universe. And here's what happens when we catch a glimpse of who God is. It changes how we see everything. And so we're going to sing a song that talks about how we see the whole world differently, how we see the wonder in everything because we have first seen our unrivaled God and He changes our perspective. So I just wanna invite you guys to take a moment and see God and then once you see Him to respond and to declare, now because I've seen you, I see everything else differently. And if you have a question about who God is, there'll be a couple leaders underneath this exit sign from the refuge room that would love to talk with you. And we're gonna come back and add one more thing to this talk, but before we do, we just wanna stop and we just wanna respond and worship God for who he is, the unrivaled being in the universe. God, you are incredible. God, you are a warrior. God, you are a loving shepherd. God, you're immeasurable. And you're the limitless God of the long view. So would you give us eyes to catch a glimpse of who you are? Would we see that you are unrivaled? And then would you change the way we see everything else as a result? Father, we thank you for this glimpse of who you are. And as we look at just a few more verses, would you just continue to reveal yourself to us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you guys can have a seat. We just want to finish Isaiah 40 and be in verse 30. So if we look at the very end of Isaiah 40 and verse 30, it says this at the end of the chapter. It says, even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall feel exhausted. Is this anyone's life verse this week? Like, yeah, that's me. Okay, we got a few people up here. Like, I am exhausted, unbelievable. And here's what this verse says. Even if you're not exhausted, there'll be a point where you are says the best athletes, let us know the best athletes in the world get tired. Now, when I think about great athletes, I think about Lee's women's and men's cross country teams. Anybody think about them? Yeah, they won conference yesterday. Can we give it up for them? I mean, elite athletes, the men have been back to back to back. I mean, they are just good, but here's the thing. Even they get tired. Now they're gonna get tired a lot later than we will, okay? We'll get tired way before them. But at some point, even these elite runners get tired. And so here's the thing, when we see who God is, we also see our need for him. No matter how strong we are, when we see who God is, we also see our need for him. This is what verse 30 is about. That even if you think you're on top of the world and you're elite and you're strong and you just feel totally rejuvenated, there's gonna be a time in your life where you're exhausted. And when we catch a glimpse of who God is, then we also see that we desperately need him. See, we're limited. But if we look at the next verse, he actually offers to unleash his limitless power on us. Verse 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, if we wait on the Lord, Here's what that means. If we enter into a relationship with God, where we wait on Him, then through that relationship, He can renew our strength. See, when we see who God is, we see our need for Him, and we see that we need a relationship with Him, but we've got a problem. See, since God is unrivaled, we've gotta do everything His way. And none of us have done everything His way. Raise your hand if you ever told a little white lie. Raise your hand, hands up all over the room. If not, you just lied. I mean, the thing is like we could go on and on. We all have chosen to do things our way instead of the way of the unrivaled one. Amen. And so our mistakes, our sin, it prevents us from connecting to God, even though that's what we desperately need. See, we see who God is and we can even see our need for God, but on our own, we cannot connect with him. See, we can see our need for God, but on our own, we cannot connect with Him. And that's why Isaiah 40 is just part of the story. Isaiah 40 is not the end, the rest of the story we actually find in Hebrews chapter one. So here's what Hebrews chapter one, verse one says. I love it, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, prophets like Isaiah, says, hey, we had Isaiah, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So, if God is the creator of the universe, if God is the one who told the universe to go 93 billion light years and stop, Jesus did that. Because Jesus is also the creator of the world. In verse 3, then, I love it, it says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. Doesn't get much better than that. He radiates the glory of God, and He's the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. This phrase, the exact imprint of his nature. You know what that means? Jesus is God. That means everything that we discovered about God in Isaiah 40 is true of Jesus. See, Jesus is our warrior who fights for us. Jesus is our loving shepherd who picks us up when life is broken. Jesus is immeasurable with indescribable power. And Jesus is the limitless God of the long view. And through Jesus we can connect with God because Jesus is unrivaled in all the universe. Can we praise him for that? Man. He's unrivaled in all the universe and yet he came and he died on the cross and rose from the dead. So we could do what we could never do on our own, which is connect with God. So why did he go to the cross? Because Jesus is a limitless God of the long view. And when he had made his strategies for the ages, he looked down through the ages and saw you and he saw me and we were worth it. And he died so we could live through a relationship with God. It's incredible. So if you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, you can become a Jesus follower right now. You can pray something like this, Jesus, I'm messed up. I know it, everybody knows that I'm messed up, but Jesus, you're unrivaled in the universe. And Jesus, you died and rose again so that I could connect with God. So please connect me with God right now. Here's my life. And it's not about those specific words. It's about crying from deep in your soul and saying, Jesus, you're unrivaled. Would you rescue me from even myself? And so there's two parts to the talk because there's really two responses this morning. Response number one is simply that we would see God as unrivaled in all the universe. And response two is that we would connect with God through Jesus. So if you're not a Jesus follower, the invitation today and throughout this whole series is that you would connect with God through Jesus. And if you have any questions about that, you can talk to our leaders in the refuge room. They'll be underneath the exit sign once again for you to talk to them. But for all of us who are already following Jesus in the room, here's the invitation for us, that we connect with God through Jesus by taking the next step in our relationship with Jesus. And here's the beauty of that challenge. It applies to all of us, whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years or 30 minutes. It applies to every single one of us that through this series, God is saying, would you see me as unrivaled? And would you connect with me through Jesus and take the next step in your relationship with me? So we're gonna sing one more song. We're gonna have one more chance to worship and respond to who God is. We're gonna declare that he is good and that he will never let us down. And here's what we hope. We hope that in the next few moments that we connect with Jesus. And that this connection that happens right now leads us to leave this place and continue to connect with Jesus throughout the week. Because here's the thing, the goal for the series is not an emotional experience. The goal for the series is a Jesus experience because Jesus is unrivaled and Jesus changes everything. So would you stand with me? And Jesus, we want to declare your goodness. We want to declare that you will never let us down. And we just want to worship you and respond to who you are as we leave this place.